time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of the podcast. I am Walter Storholt alongside Charles Weldy, and this is Reengineering Your Finances, the show that's going to help you get a little bit smarter when it comes to your financial life and retirement. Charles is the founder of CP Weldy Group, serving you through uh, Delaware and Chester County areas with an office in Chadsford, PA, on Route 52. You can find Charles online by going to CP weldygroup.com and charles it's fantastic to be with you once again how are you sir i'm doing well walter how about yourself yeah doing great as we record today i've got like remnants of a hurricane passing through so you know that's kind of fun trees are blowing all around i'm just you know i'm wearing my helmet as we record the show remotely today so i don't have anything fall on my head while we're going (laughs) well if we get interrupted i'll know what the the the, uh problem is that's right the listeners won't know because we'll we'll edit it out they'll never know but uh yeah if, if we get an internet interruption or something Thing like that. We'll uh, have no fear. We will retool all as well. Uh, we've got a great conversation on tap for you today. We're going to be talking about diversification and is diversification for suckers is the question we're asking on the show. And this seemed uh, might, might seem like a little bit of a contrarian view or question to ask because I think you hear all the time about just how important diversification is. But if you look up quotes about diversification from famous investors, I came across one that kind of surprised me, Charles, uh, the great Warren Buffett. Uh, He said, diversification is protection against ignorance. It makes little sense if you know what you're doing. And that was really kind of shocking to me. Like, I wasn't expecting to hear Warren Buffett kind of, you know, bashing diversification in a way, because we've always heard that it's one of the keys to success when it comes to retirement planning. How can these seemingly different ideas both be right? Well, uh, Walter, you know, when I just heard you say that, uh, I'm thinking to myself, wow, Warren Buffett said that. But the other way to look at it is maybe what he was saying in a nice way is that most people don't know what they're doing. Mm. Um, You know, obviously, uh, you know, if you buy Google and it's going way up, you're happy with your purchase. But if you buy Enron and it goes to hell in a handbasket, you're not. So I would say that for the most part, unless you're um, maybe as smart as Warren Buffett, diversification is probably one of the tools you need in your toolbox when you're investing. We're going to dive into this, of course, some more on the show today. But let's go back to basics of diversification first, and then we'll kind of peel back this onion a little bit. I'm just curious. Obviously, you meet with people every day and talk about retirement and their finances and look at lots of portfolios, but you have these important conversations with folks. From what you see, how does the average person typically define this sort of nebulous thing of diversification? Well, I would say the average person, basically, when they think about diversification, what's on their mind is, you know, something that we've all heard in the past is don't put all your eggs in one basket. So instead of having like, you know, a concentrated position in one security or, you know, several similar securities, they try to spread it out amongst different asset classes. So I think to the average investor, the way that I find that they define Uh, you know, diversification is that, hey, I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. I have to have a series of baskets. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So series of baskets kind of is the the buzzword maybe that a lot of people come in or the vision that a lot of people have about diversification. In contrast to how perhaps the average investor might define it, uh, let's go to somebody who deals in this world every day. How do you define it? What does diversification mean to you? Well, when I think of diversification, Walter, I really think of three asset classes. So I'm really talking about asset classes. And the first one is stocks. So stocks is an asset class. 
And, you know, if history's any guide, I mean, after inflation, the real return of stocks over time is roughly 7%. Uh, so that's one, you know, uh, one asset class. A second asset class would be fixed income. And fixed income, the real return after inflation over time, if history's any guide, is 3%. So basically, you know, two asset classes that I just defined, stocks at seven, fixed income at three, but what I find that most people fail to realize is that there's a third asset class, and I define that as cash value life insurance. I think if more people were educated on the pros and cons of life insurance, perhaps uh, more of the wealthy individuals would um, you know, have that in their portfolio as opposed to just being tied down to two asset classes, your typical stock bond portfolio. Now, although we may have different definitions for what diversification really means, a basket of stocks to one person, whereas you want to diversify uh, by asset allocation versus a Warren Buffett who's you know, essentially saying diversification is for suckers, in your experience, how much emphasis do you see the average investor placing on at least the idea of diversification? Because I guess that's sort of like battle number one, is let's at least you know have the goals and the mindset into diversifying assets. Do you think people are putting enough uh, emphasis on that? Well, I think the emphasis kind of stops at, you know, what do I have in stocks and what do I have in fixed income? But you really have to drill down. What I mean by that is let's talk about the stock uh, portion of their portfolio. I mean, there's growth stocks, there's value stocks, there's large company stocks, small company stocks, domestic stocks, international stocks. So I think if you take those four subsets of stock, you know, allocation and you put a decent amount of dollars or percentages of your investments in those particular asset classes within that uh, stock basket, so to speak, you're going to be very well diversified. So I find that the average investor, they're just looking at, hey, what do I have in stocks? What do I have in fixed income? But they're not drilling down and seeing exactly what is the components of that stock portfolio. And then I'll, I'll kind of just uh, finish it up with fixed income. I mean, fixed income, you've got short-term fixed income where, hey, it's usually high quality, lower yield because it's short-term. Then you have intermediate term and you have long-term. So basically, you know, you have to drill down in your fixed income component and say, hey, how much of this fixed income should be short-term, intermediate-term, long-term? And then how much of it should be domestic fixed income as opposed to you know, international and or global fixed income? So really, there's probably uh, six, three is nine, two is 11, maybe a dozen different places to put your dollars when it comes to true diversification. Very important to consider. So it sounds like people are getting to uh, the point of at least considering diversification in the right way, but they're maybe stopping short of where they need to end up. Uh, I want to go back to the Warren Buffett quote as a nod to his sentiment of diversification really making little sense if you know what you're doing. Is it possible to be too diversified? Absolutely. I mean, you know, you see people that have 401ks or 403bs or 457 plans at work, and uh, they might have a menu of choices of 25 different funds. Uh, and a lot of those funds are similar. There might be like uh, three or four large companies, three or four small company, you know, what have you. And they will overlap. They will pick two, maybe two funds within one asset category, like large cap. So I call it overlap. You know, it's not good to overlap. It's good to just be specific 
maybe pick a portfolio manager that's a value manager. Then you know that basically you got the value uh, area covered. Someone that just deals in small company stocks. Then you're not uh, overlapping into large company stocks. You have that with another money manager. So the point is that uh, in today's environment, what I find is a lot of these money managers are overlapping even like what the purpose of their fund is just to actually enhance their returns if their particular um, you know, part of the market is out of favor. For instance, value, uh, I'm a big value guy and value has been out of favor for like five or six years. You know, if you invested in growth, you would have a lot more cumulative balance in your account than if you invested in value over the last five years or so. But if history's any guide, over time, value outperforms growth. So the point I want to make is, you know, um, diversification will uh, keep you from being killed and get you a uh, pretty good um, return based upon the level of risk that you're willing to take. And I kind of want to just, you know, finish it up with an analogy of baseball. I mean, if you're buying individual stocks and individual bonds and, you know, you really don't have a lot of diversification in your portfolio, you're most likely going to hit a home run or strike out. But if you're diversified, what will happen is, you know, chances are more times than not, you're going to hit those singles and doubles, maybe an occasional triple. And, you know, if you have any baseball um, knowledge, uh, generally speaking, you know, singles and doubles wins ball games. So that's where I think diversification comes in when you're looking at someone's portfolio is, hey, you know, are they under or over diversified? And most people are under diversified. We can definitely talk about the theory of diversification all day long, Charles, but maybe to drive this point home to finish up today, can you describe for us perhaps a scenario where you took a really non-diversified portfolio and made it better for somebody? What tangible things did you tweak and change? Well, it's funny that you're asking that question today, Walter, because I'm actually working on a case. And I have to say, this isn't my typical case, but a couple that uh, their average age is 64. They just recently retired, uh, you know, within the last year. They came to me. I'm doing a financial plan for them. In doing my initial review, I, you know, I, I found out that they have over $5 million, or let's just say almost $5 million, in tax-deferred retirement accounts. All right, so $5 million in tax-deferred retirement accounts. I just did a quick look through. I haven't spent much time on it yet, but it looks like over 90% of their money is in stocks and less than 10% is in fixed income. So that's like one sign of danger. You know, I'm saying to myself, look, I know that, you know, he told me he has a great pension that's going to kick in in a couple of years and, you know, they live well within their means and uh, blah, blah, blah. But here's, here's what I'm thinking about, you know, before I even meet with them for a second time. Let's just say the market goes down by 10%. All right. What's 10% of 5 million? Uh, 500,000, right? Like 500,000. So, Whew, you know, took me a second. Took, took me a second, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the point I'm making is like, that's what we're talking about. Like, we're not talking ah, about the market is down 10%. If all of a sudden you wake up and, you, you know, your account's down by $5 million, is it worth the risk? Because in my world, they already made it. Now they have to protect it. So it's funny uh, talking about diversification because one of the things I failed to mention in the earlier conversation here is that. We talk about tax diversification. All their money is in pre-tax accounts. And basically, when they take it out, let's just use 25% as, you know, uh, a flat tax rate. Like One-fourth of, uh, you know, $5 million is like $1.2 million in change. 
So, um, you know, are they diversified? Absolutely not. But it's not just because they have all their money or most of their money in stocks. They have pretty much all their money in pre-tax accounts. And we have to work on, you know, diversifying that into Roth IRAs or perhaps some life insurance or a combination of both. And, uh, you know, so I'm really looking forward to doing that plan. But there's a classic example of people that you think have made it. I mean, $5 million, cut me a break. But, you know, they need to reallocate their assets in certain locations in order to make sure that they don't have any, like, giant hiccups along their retirement journey. That is an eye-opener. When you start putting the numbers together with it, that really makes you look at it, this whole conversation, I think, in a different light and should be definitely something to wake people up a little bit if you are putting a lot of your money at risk, if you are not diversified. No matter how we might technically define that diversification, we can get in the semantics of that when you actually get your plan pulled together. But just the idea of making sure that you're spreading that risk around and ultimately to finally finish back up with that Warren Buffett quote, I think that's what he was getting at, Charles, with that quote, is saying, look, you're if you're trying to, to gain money, if you're in it for the growth during your working life, then diversification is going to slow your growth, perhaps. So if you don't know what you're doing, sure, do, do diversification. Otherwise, if you want the most growth, then you know diversification is not for you. But it's a totally different mindset when people get to retirement, and that no longer applies. And that's why it's so important to have context with things like with quotes like that. You can't just read a quote on the internet and then boom, run with it. You got to have context for why somebody might be saying that, what their perspective is, and how it's different from maybe how you approach things and your station in life. And it's good to, I think, be able to draw those lines a little bit. Very helpful. Yeah, well said, Walter. Well said. Very cool. Well, if you have questions for Charles, want to go through this conversation, talk about diversification, what it means to you. Is your plan diversified? Maybe that's the simple question that's on your mind. Charles can help look at your plan, talk to you a little bit about what your portfolio uh, might need to do to improve, to uh, get to and through retirement. Uh, If you have any questions at all, don't hesitate to ask. You can call 610-388-7705. That's 610-388-7705. Or you can go online line to cpweldygroup.com and get in touch via the website. And we'll put contact information for you in the description of today's show. So check that out there. Charles, thanks for the help this week. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon on the next episode. Thank you, Walter. Have a great day. You too. That's Charles Weldy. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time right back here on Reengineering Your Finances. Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate, non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.